You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Welcome to the new episode. This is so stupid. I always say the same goddamn phrase in the beginning of things. <laughs> like, I'm so tired of it. Um, I'm, I'm back in North Hollywood. I'm here with Rosie Tran. And Rosie, thanks for doing the show again. This is impromptu. Um, I was helping one of my friends all day today. And I was maybe, what, 20 minutes away. I was tired. I need to go someplace to... Um, Yo, she likes to use my house as a shower. Shower and... <laughs> And rest on the to couch. rest. So, <laughs> and we were just talking for like maybe forty minutes. I know we should have been recording. And we actually had another podcast before this a couple months ago, and then we lost it. We we recorded like fifteen minutes, but before that, uh, I mm-hmm. think we record fifteen minutes. Then I was supposed to record again after break, and yeah. I forgot to record. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he didn't press record. <laughs> Fucking you guys! You guys! Are, you know, none of you are paying for this. It's free, so stop complaining. <laughs> Jesus! All right. Um, so today is March 6th, 2015, and um, I, I got you Christmas gift where I got you DVDs of Game of Thrones Season 1, and you watched it. So we, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but it's just this is just a talk. You know, we don't have any agenda, right? We're going to talk about Game of Thrones stuff because Yoshi has been pushing Game of Thrones on me now, and also pretty much everyone in the free world for the past, how long has it been out? Two or three years? This is season five starts next month. Yeah, so four years. Yeah. And um, I talked to you a little bit about this off the air, and then you started talking, and I said, wait for the podcast. But you're saying there's a difference between people who watch it all at once and people who watch it separately per episode. I personally like to watch things all at once because I hate cliffhangers. So, for example, Breaking Bad, people are saying, you got to watch Breaking Bad, you got to watch Breaking Bad. I knew it was going to be good, but I hate, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I have to wait till the next season. So we waited till Breaking Bad concluded, and then me and my husband had a one-month Breaking Bad marathon and yeah. pretty much didn't leave our couch. <laughs> well, I, I'm not suggesting there's only one way to experience these great TV show or movies. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. You were saying there's a difference, though. But, but, but um, okay, so th- this is what I heard from a bunch of other people who, who watch Breaking Bad differently. For example, people who binge-watched. So they watch season one straight, all the episodes, two, three, four, and five right away. Whereas I watch, um, except for like first season. Like one a week, right? Yeah, like I watch episodic, you know what I mean? But it's kind of like when you're reading a great uh, novel, book and you read it really fast or you you take time and you even discuss with your friends or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you... you um, you know, some people drink alcohol, like just drink it really fast <laughs> or or this this so-called classy wine drinker. They, Connoisseurs, right? They sip it. They sip it or maybe they're but they, they relish the moment. You know what I mean? So um, when you wa- when you watch episodic episode at a time, OK, something happened, right? Then then you could read the recap. And you could even listen to podcasts, people talking about it. And maybe notice hidden messages or hidden or, things. Or, yeah, you, you, you have more, you put more time in ex- to experience what you just watched. 
and think about it. I'm laughing that you bring this up because there's a saying that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And I'm laughing because I do like to watch everything at once. And you're describing all these other metaphors. And I also do those things, too. Like, I like to eat really fast, which is bad. I I usually need to slow down. So I like to watch my TV shows fast, have it over, get the plot in and out. I like to eat really fast. And I also I, I think I think what you're saying is valid depends on what you what you're experiencing. Like, yeah, <laughs> museums, too. A lot of people sit and they enjoy each mm-hmm. picture and they they do the nuance and look at yeah. the artwork. When I go to museums like the Louvre or other places where there's such a amount of artwork, I just want to see it and move on. I, I understand some people like to enjoy, yeah. but I just want to see as much as I can. And I think it's just you're making me laugh when you talk about the wine and I mean, all these I, metaphors. I, I, because I, I, I think it just depends. Like if you're eating junk food or some <laughs> casual food, yeah, just gobble it up, right? Because the, the, you shouldn't take those junk foods seriously. How, how, however, if you go, uh, what, what would be a good example? You go to Morton Steakhouse or like a high-end steakhouse High-end place where... Um, if you go to one of those restaurants, they give you a menu. There's no prices next to it. <laughs> then you, you, or it's a seasonal. <laughs> you're you're there to not just. It's not just about the food anymore. It's an experience. It's, there's it's an experience. ambiance. It, there's it, it, piano it's, player. It, it's you're sharing experience with your friend or family or spouse or whatnot, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatnot. So it just it just depends what it is. If you're watching CSI. Or if you want to, if you watch one of those Blue Sky TV shows on CBS, where those shows you don't even have to watch each each episode, one episode at a time. You could it's it just it's almost like you could turn it on. You could be doing dishes or whatnot, and you don't miss whole lot, <laughs> which is fine. Those I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that, but um, there are great shows that. Um, See, these like a shitty shows, they pander to you. You know what I mean? They give you what you want. I like shows that give you things that you need. So when I was talking about that show, American, without not getting detail, it is absolutely... It's so a, Yoshi's talking about the Americans, in case you guys don't know what we're talking about. On FX. It, it really is a masterpiece. It's, it's, it, it, it makes demands on you. You really have to pay attention. See, Yoshi, I care about the podcasters. I'm giving them what they want. You just are going over Americans. People don't know what you're talking about. I'm clarifying for the listeners, pandering to the listeners. Yes. <laughs> but uh, let me count out uh, to that. Um, um, there, used, there used to be a show called Mystery Science 3000. Mystery Science. Oh, um, was it where they were uh, watching a movie and then the, the little heads would make fun of? Yeah, they're shitty movies. And the little talking heads, right? At the talking bottom. Sh- they're like robots or something. Robots and aliens <laughs> in, in the movie theater and you see Silhouette. And it's a terrible movie. They're so horrible. So they're watching these horrible movies. But they're seeing all these funny, insightful things. And somebody asked, somebody asked the guy who created the show. I forgot the name of the guy. I'm sorry. It's one of my favorite shows. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really tired. I'm freaking out. Somebody asked, like, you know, the show's very funny, but quite often you're making references that most people don't, uh, don't get. And the guy say, I don't care. <laughs> I'm making it for people who... Who get it, right? Who gets my humor. You know what I mean? So, um, you, so you, you pay prices, right? You pay price for that. If you want to do something that is it's, it's accessible to everyone... You you're going to be very successful if if everybody likes it, like McDonald or whatnot. 
but if you make something that is only uh, appreciated by a few people, um, they will appreciate it. But it's just small percentage of people who appreciate it. You pay price too because you the the, the it's success, not going to be mainstream. Yeah, so it depends on what you're what, what what you're comfortable with. I I feel like if I was a movie studio or TV studios, I'm willing to do stuff that is catering to masses too, but I also want to do some some of the stuff that is like well-written a piece of okay armor. this is what bugs me don't get me started about this mm-hmm. first of all are we recording yes <laughs> okay we're eight minutes into it i want to make sure and you know what no but they don't care <laughs> i only have three people probably three or four people listening okay so let me tell you why that bugs me about the movie studios i think the movie studio executives are freaking idiots and they're dumb this is why because they have these amazing art house films that are are usually mm-hmm. million dollar budgets. A million dollar budget is nothing to a, to a studio. Yeah. And they constantly and consistently pass on them. I have many friends, as you know, as well in the entertainment industry who are struggling screenwriters. Right. And, and, and you know, up and coming screenwriters. And these amazing films consistently get passed on. How many times have you heard the story? Oh, this movie, you know, Dallas Buyers Club, it took 10 years to make because they kept passing on it and th- things yeah. were falling apart and other things. And pretty much every single Oscar-nominated movie of all time has some story of a studio executive passing on it. Here's the thing that bugs me. So they're willing to waste $100 million or $300 million on Jupiter Descending or whatever the hell that they think is going to be a big hit. And there's I, heard, the, I heard it's shit. And they're, say, and they're Exactly. So they're willing to, to risk all yeah. this money, yet they're saying a million-dollar film budget is too big of a risk, quote-unquote. That doesn't even make logical sense okay can i give you um, it doesn't make logical sense because of course you're going to get the mil- million dollars is nothing to studio ex- of course but, you're going to make that money but back. can i can i give you um, um yeah you're going to throw 100 million 300 million dollars or however much on crap films like it doesn't logically if you're there okay let's say they don't give a rat's ass about art and yeah and they want only numbers yeah then according to numbers indie films and art house films are a great investment because you're only putting in a million dollars, yet you're getting you know maybe five million dollars, so maybe ten I, million dollars. Can I give you a couple sure, uh, possible explanations? I'm why. going off on a tangent, but it just bugs the crap out of me. So, um, yes, what you're saying is there's a lot of truth in what you're saying. Um, if you have the right independent film, they will do make money and critical acclaim. There's, I'm sure, there's plenty of our shit, but I think I I do think. Those movie executives, I'm sure they would be annoying if I have to deal with them. But um, um, let's let's try to put ourselves in their shoes. So uh, why why would they? What's the rationale for doing something like that? One, the rationale is notoriety. The rationale is um, m- first of all moral and ethical. Not putting out constant crap films, um, and you can you can do. You can do big budget films that are going to make money overseas yeah. and in China and other things. But even if that's the case, all right, let's say they want to make these international films that are going to make money. Okay, fine. Well, then where are the Chinese leads if that's the case? Basically, Hollywood says one thing and then they do the opposite and it doesn't make any fucking sense okay, on a regular let me give basis. You, let, me, let me give you an analogy and I don't know if this will make sense to you, but um, so, so American football, NFL, it's, it's called copycat league. So whenever some coach or some organization do something new and they have a success, they're going to try to copy that. Okay. But when so so in that situation, everybody copy because it worked out. But if you try to do something different and it backfire, quite often you're going to lose your job. So 
it's may it could be possible the movie studio when when they make a decision that maybe it's puzzling to us maybe because they're making this decision based on they don't want to lose their job so uh, the new trend last seven ten years is if you make super uh, hero movie or comic book. You're going to make tons of money, right? In general, it seems like you make money. Of course, there's been exceptions to the rule and things backfire. Stuff that Seth Rogen made. I have always get that uh, the both Green movies fucked up. Uh, Green Lantern oh, and Green, Green Lantern. Hornet, yes. they, they both bombed. They both bombed. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, they didn't mean to make those uh, mistakes. No, you, you really don't know until it's released. So, um, I don't. I don't. I, I agree. I sympathize what you're saying, but I'm, I'm also trying to figure out: Are they completely idiot, or are they trying to minimize taking risk? For example, you know, I hear these things over and over in Hollywood. Like, how come they don't pick these talented women who are good act, right? And they ended up picking these young, attractive women who can act. Well, um, I, I agree. Like that, 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 what what those complaints seem very valid, but. If I'm putting hundred million dollars in the movie, and people are superficial, they would rather see some pretty people like looking pretty people. I wouldn't know because I'm not pretty. <laughs> but why would they pick somebody who are extremely beautiful but they can't act versus there is, let's say they're overweight and attractive people who could uh, tell, act? It's because. So can I super, play? Super, <laughs> But you know what I'm trying to so say. Can, like, I do. Uh, I do know exactly what you're saying, and I agree with your point. However, can I? If play, I if I have, if I'm worried about losing, uh, can I my play job, devil's advocate? If if I'm if I if I want if I don't want if I want to make a hundred million dollar movie, and if I have choice between those two extremes, then I would probably still take young attractive girl because guys rather look at attractive girl that can act versus fat ugly girl that could act. Sorry. So. I agree. I understand your point, and you've made a yeah. very good point. Can, and I'm not saying it's right, but can I, I, can, thought, I can I play devil's advocate with yeah. this? Okay, so you're asking me do do I think that they're trying to minimize risk, or do I think they're complete idiots? And I'm going to go with I still think they're complete idiots. And let me give you another metaphor. Yeah. So people tend to go with is this what, a Vietnam War. Reference? No, it okay. isn't. <laughs> so people tend to go with what they know, and yeah. they have once they have a belief system or a structured thing, then they tend to believe it. So let me give you an example. So, um, and then I'm, I'm going to go back with another thing. So, yeah. for example, in the finance industry, it's statistically proven. All of the market research show that hedge funds that are managed by women, on average, outperform almost by double hedge funds managed by men. Yeah. In addition, financial advisors that are women tend to have better returns than financial advisors that are men. Before, re- before, before you continue, is it because of the women have a stereotypical, more conservative? One, because a- women... And they're more thoughtful and yes. they're not reckless gambling. Yes, yes, yes. And, and the area in... Um, uh, oh. and, okay, Mag- so, what's the word? The magnolia? Or uh, that, the big part of the brain where... The hippocampus? No. Start with the MAG or something like that. But it's, Amygdala? I think I think that's the area where if I'm I'm probably wrong, but I don't know why I remember that way. But it's the same area that when men risk in Wall Street, they get excited. It's the same area when you snore coke. So so women you get really excited. But so women, women, you're right. Yeah. So women tend to be more conservative investors. Yeah. In addition to that, women are heavily discriminated against in the finance industry. And also, I think women are more thoughtful that they're 
they know that they're they're they have access to other people's money and they don't want to be irresponsible. Exactly, yeah. that's true. And women have are heavily stereotyped in the finance industry, so mm -hmm. they feel the need to prove themselves. So therefore, yeah. they work even harder. Yes. So everything statistically is proving yeah. that women are better investors than men. However, the majority of people trust men with money over women because there's a stereotype that women are bad with money. Even though statistically it's yeah. proven completely wrong. In addition to that, there's other psych psychology studies that when people have a belief system yeah. and you prove with science that their belief system is wrong, they will actually cling to their belief system even more than letting it go because what's more important to someone than than is being right than being uh, about their belief system. Okay, two two response to that and and to, not to contradict it. Uh, uh, this is like uh, agreeing with you. I remember Dennis Miller talk about this very famous American comedian who used to be in SNL and a very funny comedian who done tons of shit for like comedy show on HBO and talk show and things like that. Dennis Miller. But it's interesting. This, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what Dennis Miller said. He said, most people already made a decision, their positions. It's, and, and even if you make a compelling argument with your position is wrong, most people... They don't care. Most, <laughs> most, people, most, people have, most people take position because that's the conclusion they already made. It's not like uh, most people have a thoughtful reasoning and thinking for a long time with facts and they came to those conclusions. I think most people, including myself, are in position uh, point of view because that's that's the position they like. Yeah, it, it's it's not like a logical conclusion from thinking about it for a long time. So, so whenever if you even if you do a funny joke to trying to pinpoint someone's position is wrong or make an argument, you're wasting your time. They're most, still going to hold on to their most opinion. people, you know, and like this whole thing in America right now with measles, where, where the vaccinations, vaccination, <laughs> where. Um, they're, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. They're these dumb parents that they don't want to get medication, and these politicians are catering to them because they're running for president of the United States, saying, "Well, you know, parents have the right to make a decision." That's just ridiculous. Because if those kids don't get vaccination, eventually they might affect other kids. You know, um, but back to the movie point we're, we're yeah. going off on tangents so in so in response to what you said are, you know are they actually being generally risk adverse i think that you know you're saying well there's one in a million there's the little miss sunshines that are made for nothing and then they make all this money or the big fat greek weddings those are ones those are one in a million and i'm saying that statistically that's not showing the case statistically these big budget you know 300 million dollar films who yeah. are who are losing money they are more of a loss than these yeah. independent films and that these studio executives are complete freaking idiots and they don't want to move away from the status quo because i agree with you that they are afraid to lose their jobs and that's the reason that they're yeah. acting in that way because of fear but the, and that's a, and that's a legitimate fear it is a legitimate fear but the, re and, and, the and, reasoning and, behind it doesn't make any logical sense I, I think we're both saying the same thing differently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> can I can I can I give you exam another example of sports analogy? Maybe sure. You love your sports analogies. Let's do it. <laughs> so there was one game before the Super Bowl where Seattle Seahawks were playing Green Bay Packers. Okay. And um, in my opinion, Green Bay Packers have the best quarterback in the league, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. And. There's two occasions in the first half of the game where Packers were ready to score touchdown both times. 
But because the coach was playing so conservatively, when they came down to fourth and uh, one yard, fourth and two yards away, whatever it is, it was very close. Um, he decided to kick the ball. So instead of going for seven points, he went for three points each time. And which looks, you know, after uh, hindsight's 2020, um, that they have the greatest quarterback in the league right now. So they could, so you have a guy who is known to score a lot of touchdowns, and instead of going for what he's good at, they play conservative. Well, mm -hmm. needless to say, they lost the game. Okay, uh, they got Seattle got lucky too. So what I'm trying to say in this example, they weren't playing to win; they were playing not to lose. And that's so, how Hollywood works. And so, I, so it's frustrating. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating, but I'm not gonna. I don't. I wouldn't like it, and and as long as I'm not in a position where I will be facing consequences, trying to make, you know, trying to pressure somebody to make decision, it's easy. I guess I, I'm not speaking on your behalf, but for me, it would be easy for me to point a finger and like, why didn't you do it this way when my livelihood is not affected by it? So mm -hmm. unless I'm in a position, you know how people say President Obama should do this and this and that. Well, none of those people know what it was like to run a campaign and suffer all those uh, campaigning, winning the election, and once you're in position of power, you're afraid to lose the power, and you know it's easier to say he should do this and that, because you're not in a position where you'll face the consequence. So that, that's basically my point. So um, I'm trying to be a little bit more sympathetic. <laughs> why, why, why they make those decisions? Because the lady who made, wrote Harry Potter, she went to 50 or 60 different publishing companies, and they all said no until that... 51st or 55 ones finally say yes. Of course, on hindsight, why would you say no to a billion dollar books <laughs> and movies? You know what I mean? What, what so, I they, because, because sometimes people don't have imaginations to see the possibility. You know what I mean? But I kind of, okay, I guess the reason it bugs me is because, first of all... And I'm saying you have a, you have a very legitimate complaint because I, I understand what, I understand, you know, I... I, I tr I'm so much older than you, and and, and one of the things about getting old <laughs> that I still do this, it's always, always easy to point a finger and judge someone, and I, I, I do that all the I'm a Mr. Judger, and I'm a fucking... Oh, I know, Yoshi. I'm a, I'm a fucking <laughs> hater, but at the same time... You guys should have heard what we were talking about off the air. At the same time... I, 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 uh, for people that I like when they make decisions that makes me angry but I, I try to give them benefit and try to see like why, why did they make that decision too you know so it's, it's, it's I'm at the really weird spot right now you know? I, I just think they have an ethical responsibility look the Oscars just happened and it was 99.99999% white and it was very status quo there's now more and more studies coming out that yeah. uh, diversity works people want to see you know, Asians want to see, and that's why they're, you know, shoving fresh off the boat in everyone's face, want to see other Asians. Black people want to see other yeah. black people. These sh types of shows, these types of movies get high ratings, yet it's still white, 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 white. And do I hate white people? No, my husband's white. I, I grew up in white in America. I have no issue with it. But why keep the status quo going on and on and on and on and being so scared, like you said, playing not to lose when there's all this evidence yeah. showing that you can play to win and it's safe? to play yeah. to win or and take a risk or if they're doing the same shit if they're doing the same shit over and over and it actually works and still they make money uh they feel comfortable that's why they stayed that conservative i understand exactly what you're saying you're saying 
yes, you might keep using wine, people still make money, but but you you're saying like like Russell Peters of the world. Yeah. No, nobody wanna represent him, right? Like he even told me no manager were going out of out of the way to represent him because people didn't have the imagination that it's possible. Even he's shocked, right? <laughs> but, I mean, but, but, what, see, what, but what comedy manager doesn't want to represent a guy making 20, 25, I thought it was 20, 30 million. 28, 28 million, whatever each year. Obviously hindsight, right? But at the time, there wasn't any sort of like example. But that's where I'm saying is it doesn't even take that much imagination. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying a fifth to, of the population is Indian. Like, yeah. hello. But I, I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying if you're asking me why, then I'm trying to give some possible reason why they think that way. Oh, I know the possible reasons. And I'm saying I think they're freaking idiots. Okay, I <laughs> I'm mean, being judgmental and pointing the finger, Yoshi. <laughs> like right now, uh, <laughs> UFC, to me... The biggest star in, in uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship, mixed martial arts, is Ronda Rossi, a woman. That's why, no matter how terrible life might be, and last three years been tough for me, life is full of surprises. You just never know. Who would have thought five years ago a woman is the face of the, uh, the whole league? All those guys, no disrespect, <laughs> I'm, uh, they're, they're great fighters. But let me tell you, most of those mixed martial arts guys. No fucking personality. <laughs> no fucking. And this is an Asian guy saying it. We're famous for not having personality. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all right, you're a big, big guy and you look like you're good at beating people up. <laughs> but you, how, how are you different from other guy? You, you all look like you all look same meatheads. You're, I'm sure you're great at what you do. Um, and it's amazing. But. I really can't tell sometimes one from another. Like I'm sure you're good. <laughs> I'm sure you're great what you do, but Ronda Rossi, she has she's she's very attractive. I'm googling her as we talk. Oh, you don't even know who she is? No, she I'm not is, into She is unfucking believable, unbelievable. She is the Michael Jordan of UFC. Is that her? Yeah, she's she she's she's incredible. Um, and she is the face of the. Uh, she's a mega star. Wow, and she's hot. She's, she's very cute. She's um. She's in, she's this year's supposed to illustrate a uh, swimsuit issue, but you should see the clip of this woman. Um, I I tweeted recently. Ronda Rousey has done more for women than feminism have done in the last thirty years. You know, don't worry about your body looks like. Figure out what you're capable of doing with your body. She is unbelievable. Her mother was like gold medalist in judo, mm -hmm. and she was a very competitive judo uh, uh, athlete. And she got into UFC like four or five years ago, and she just had this big championship game uh, fight match a week ago. She beat this girl in 16 seconds, that quick. I mean, she pinned this bitch down. <laughs> and this this lady, I mean, cat something like I I don't really know her, but. Uh, um, she is an athlete and a, a very competent warrior, and this is how much, how good she is. So she transcends in the sports where it's assumed by everyone that dominated by men, and th these guys got nothing on her. I mean, they're great, but th I don't find them interesting, and they could beat the shit out of me easy. <laughs> but you know, a lot of them don't have personality. They're good at making mean faces and intimidate people too. But um, you know, I my friend recall. Um, was watching women's thing. So, like, without not knowing anything, I was being prejudiced. Like, I don't want to watch 
women fight. <laughs> and I thought that's a fucking stupid show. And uh, Rick was watching it. I just st- I, I thought, oh, I'll give it a chance. Like, I'll watch a few minutes. It's five hours later, it's one of the most compelling things you see. Because it's amazing that um, it's great that women are fighting each other. You know what I mean? Like, it, it breaks stereotype. They're athlete, they're professional. And you see like how to be a uh, how to become a champion. She's 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 great. But you know what's so great about after the match? Most men, you know, they talk a lot of shit before the match. <laughs> and after the fight, the loser will say like, "Oh, you know, um, he was a better fighter." This and that. You know, they all give politically correct answers. It's great when the women ended up fighting. Even the winner, the girl that won, the female that won. She will cry. The women are not afraid to show the emotion. It's such a compelling thing where, you know, these women say, like, I, I came from a very bad background, but now I, I have a child. I'm fighting for myself and my daughter. And after when they finish the match, they show that emotion. And, like, it's it's really refreshing. It's, it's such a great TV show. And, and um, I think it's good. It's it's gotta be a good feeling knowing that when the girls are athletic and do mixed martial art that they could beat up guys and defend themselves and feel good about themselves. You know what I mean? So it it's uh, it really surprised me how uh, great of an experience it was for me to watch that. And you should see the clip of Ronda. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. I put her. She's probably the first female. I'm I'm so sexist. You know, I'm so sexist. <laughs> Yo, she's very sexist, by the way. I I will watch ten women's tennis because once again they have more personality than the men's tennis. Uh-huh. A couple guys have personality, but but it's because many of some of the uh, women tennis players are very attractive. You know what I mean? So like, or gymnastic. Or summer, uh, uh, you know, swimming competition. When I see attractive women, and that's how sexist I am. Like, <laughs> I know this ugly girl is probably a better athlete, but I'll, I'll give benefit of doubt with all the pretty ones, right? But um, she is um, uh, Ronda Rossi. Not only is she's the best, but she's such a good looking. Who was the tennis player that was like that? She was married to Enrique Iglesias or whatever his name is. Oh, she. Oh, I know who you're talking about. She's uh, the blonde. Uh, Anna Kornikova. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's beautiful, but she was never a champion. You know, yeah. uh, Maria Sharapova was a. She won Wimbledon once or twice, and now she's a champion. You know, and she's beautiful. Like that's very uh, fun to watch somebody. You know, oh Michelle Wee. Uh, you know, she's six feet tall, tall, beautiful, Korean American, Chinese American, golfer. Right? Yeah, and, and beautiful. And. It, it's kind of fun to see that, you know. Uh, but out of all of them, Ronda Rossi's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's incredible what she does with those movies. So she's one of your top athletes, even above certain guys? Oh, yeah. She's top five easily. Yeah. Who, are, who are your top five athletes? That, that I like? Yeah. Um, let's see, let's see if I know any of them since I'm like sports illiterate. <laughs> I might know them. In basketball, even though he never played for the team that I like, Michael Jordan for sure. Okay, that's that's a good answer. Yeah. Um for baseball, Ty Cobb. I don't know who that is. 
he was one of the worst human beings ever to play the game. He hated people, and people who was his teammate hated him because he was such a ferocious player for Detroit Tigers. And um, why, uh, why do you like him so much? Um, you will figure out when you watch Whiplash. Okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, we haven't talked about Game of Thrones at all. Yeah, we, we, we will. But, okay. um, um, and then th- you get three more, three more favorite athletes. They're, they're. I'm not saying they're likable people. In fact, I don't think Michael Jordan and Ty Cobb is a good people. You don't think Michael Jordan is a good person? I, I don't know much about him personally. I I admire him. You know, if you ever have a chance, and I've said this in many other podcasts, if you have a chance, and if you don't know anything about Michael Jordan, then if you don't have time to read about him, do do you do yourself a favor, watch Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. It is, it is one of the most unbelievable things you're watching here. Unbelievable in a good way or bad? It's unbelievable in sublime. It's not anything good or bad. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech. Because people always ask, like, Michael, why don't you be honest and talk exactly how you feel? And he, in the Hall of, of, of Fame speech he did four or five years ago, it's, it's one of the greatest psychological profile of what what it takes for someone to be that great greatness greatness doesn't mean you're a decent human being he, <laughs> okay he doesn't give a fuck and if you if you watch into it michael jordan is the most pathologically competitive person you will ever meet it's it's maddening he will drive you insane his level of competitiveness is is something that only shakespeare and homer could write about it's like reading Eliad about Achilles, that madness. When, when his lover got murdered and he just lost his mind and he started killing people, that rage that he brought to the battlefield, Michael Jordan's the same level. He sounds pleasant. It's ferocious. <laughs> Ty Cobb was ferocious. Somebody, um, Ty Cobb was famous for um, some guy... Ty Cobb played in in 1920s. This is way back. And s- his father, they call him Georgia Peach, Ty, Ty Cobb. Okay. I'm looking this up. Keep first, of all, first of all, Ty, Ty Cobb is called Ty because there was a city called Tyr in Greece. Okay? And why, 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 why was that city famous? I'll tell you, Rosie. <laughs> tell me, Yoshi. That was one of the few city, Greek city state that said no to Alexander the Great, the Macedonian, when he was trying to conquer the Greece, rest of the Middle East and Asia. They were one of the few cities that said no. It was middle of ocean, and uh, Alexander the Great made this um, unbelievable fortification contraption. It took almost a year to make this almost like a contraption, uh, like a bridge across the water to the uh, city. And he killed every man, women, children, animals in that place because they defied him. Well, Tyr or Thai, whatever the how you, the Greeks pronounce it, they got killed because their unwillingness to give up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that ferociousness. And That's his commi- personality. Yeah, right? and and Thai Cub's father say, "Son, leave. Don't come back as a failure." He left. And you know what happened to Thai Cub's father? His father thought. His Ty Cobb's mother was having an affair, so he came back middle of the night 
telling his wife he's not coming home. He came in the middle of the night. He tried to climb up second floor into sneaking into the bedroom window. Did he fall down and die? Um, the s- official story is the mom thought somebody was trying to uh, break into the house. She got the shotgun and killed the guy, killed the uh, Thai cop's father. Uh, some people think she knew he was climbing and he she wanted to kill the guy. So this is kind of background Thai cop grow up. So anyway, one time this handicapped guy from the uh, on on um, uh, stand called Thai cop nigger or something. Say something 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 that they Thai cop and this is something that I could relate. <laughs> Thai cop. Oh no. <laughs> Thai cop w- ran up to that stands, beat the handicap. And you know the baseball player have those shoes with spike on it? <laughs> yes. He was stomping the handicap's face with that. It does sound like something you would do, Yoshi. I beat up a handicap too. And you so, have done that. Yeah. By the way, people, if you're interested in Thai Cobb, it's T-Y-C-O-B-B. Don't Google T-H-A-I Cobb. That's salad. Yeah. <laughs> so baseball, Thai Cobb, Michael Jordan, and uh, I think football right now, I, I guess I am beginning to say Tom Brady. Because that guy's cold-blooded killer, you know. Um, Ronda Rossi from Mixed Martial Art. And, and um, I can't... Uh, I guess boxing, like maybe Mike Tyson when he was young. But I guess... I, I guess what I, about Pacquiao? Come on, you're not going to represent an Asian? <laughs> I talked to Gary Shandling one time. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, at the Comedy Magic Club, and Gary Shanley, very famous comedian, uh, and writer, writer, and uh, what was the show on HBO? Why am I forgetting the uh, Gary Shanley show? Yeah, <laughs> one of the greatest self-aware show ever, right? And I knew that Gary Shanley loves boxing, so we started talking, and I know very little about about him. Recently, when I was talking to him, maybe within six months, Pacquiao lost this fight, mm-hmm. right? I don't remember the guy's name. Maybe Bradley? I can't remember. You know why he lost? Why? He lost because he couldn't knock that guy out, but he didn't because Pacquiao didn't want to hurt the guy. So you don't think Pacquiao's vicious enough for the top five? That's That's what I'm saying. Like, Floyd Mayweather, who will be who will be fighting Pacquiao in uh, May. This is the biggest fight. This is going to be, if not the biggest money making boxing event of all time in May second or third of this year. Um, Mayweather is cold blooded killer. Now, in most any circumstance, you don't want that. You don't want parents who are cold blooded. <laughs> but when it comes to athletic events or somebody who are soldier and things like that, it's necessary. And to me. I liked him because Vince, Vince Lombardi, who was the guy uh, coaching Green Bay Packers in the 60s, who uh, they named trophy after the uh, Lombardi Award, where you get the award for the best player during the Super Bowl. And uh, Vince Lombardi said, uh, when you, I'm paraphrasing, when you pursue perfection, you achieve excellence, right? Mm-hmm. So no matter what, it's never good enough. It's putting that kind of effort where you face that kind of uh, commit to, commitment to excellence, right? And but what about the stories that Pacquiao has his team and staff beat him with bamboo sticks for, you know, hundred times not, and all this other uh, stuff? I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying um, he cannot win stuff like that. 
But at, at the end of the day, I don't give a fuck if they're a good person when it comes to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... I've heard he's a really good person. He's like the mayor of some city. No, he, that's the thing. Like, he's that's like a karaoke why, star or something that's, like that. That's <laughs> why... I think that's why he lost that match because he really didn't want to hurt him. And when I talked to Gary Shandling, he agreed with me. He's not a malicious guy. He seems like a really nice guy, actually. Yeah, but... I, <laughs> but... You, but if I have a business, I want to have a motherfuckers on my side. I don't want Jesus on my my side. I don't want those kinds of people. I want fucking killers. You have like the Roman, uh, what is it at the the Colosseum mentality, right? With the tiger, and you want heads and blood, right? <laughs> yeah, that's. You're like, this is sport. I want to see murder. Um, you, you know the the Greek. In Rome, uh, Latin origin of arena means? It's going to be something bloody. What is it? Oh, very close. It means... <laughs> it, it literally means sand. Okay. The reason why sand was necessary because when to you... Soak up the blood? When you spread the blood, you just got to put sand over and you, Ugh, you cover up. Gross. It's, 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 the, it's the area where you have literally blood, sweat, and tear, you know? And... And I... I, I, I I like stuff like that, you know. I think with sports, the sports is such it's a, such a it's such a politically incorrect. People get hurt, people lose, <laughs> but it's it's great because those are the kind of things that brings best and worst out of people. So modern day sports, I hate when 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 you play another team, their friends and buddies and stuff. I fucking hate that. <laughs> I I fucking hate it. I hate I love it when they hate each other. That's what's just missing with the competitive like. NBA in the 80s, they, Rosie, you have no idea. I miss those days. They were just vicious, hor- horrible people. <laughs> but, because Detroit Pistons from 89, 90, it wasn't even basketball. They were playing wrestling. They were like elbow people in the face, kick people, and they were just. But I, I, I really love when people are just doing some horrible shit during games. Well, you're very honest, Yoshi. I, I I just fucking love it, you know, and um, but but those guys are not they're a lot of them are nice people in private life, but when they're working and when they're doing uh being a competitive environment, they're completely different people. And you that's want you I'm, want the Francis Underwood of sports? <laughs> yeah, I mean Jimmy Carson's gonna lose, you know, and I I know it's 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 one of the reasons why uh, I'm reading book about Lyndon Johnson. He was not a good person. He wasn't like when, when there was a, a riot in Watts in '67, '68 in LA. Nah, 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 nah. We, we, you know, we gotta stop those niggers. That's what he said. Have you seen Untold? Have you seen Untold History? No. The Oliver Stone documentary. I haven't seen it. And okay. um, and one of the cabinet uh, member was a black guy. <laughs> and he he used the N word, right? And here's the thing. Um. He did the right thing, I guess, looking back, civil rights movement, not because he was socially liberal. He's not. He's from fucking Texas. He was born in 1907 or something. Of course, he's racist, and you probably think <laughs> black people are this and that. He only did it because there was where, he, where him, right? he's going to rank in history, the legacy, that's why. you know. But the way he did business, 
boy, he tried to persuade you, and if verbally he couldn't persuade you, he was like a very tall guy, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, You're talking about Lyndon Johnson? Yeah, there's a picture of him leaning over this short congressman, literally putting finger to the guy's face, almost like he's ready to punch the guy in the face. And believe me, I've done stuff like that. I mean, I just feel like if there's a situation and something needs to be done, if I can persuade them, and if I'm bigger than person, you goddamn will, I, I, I will uh, intimidate them. And if they're bigger than me, then I gotta try to persuade them. You know, and sometimes you gotta be a motherfucker to get shit done, Rosie Tran. You know, you know. Well, I know that in Hollywood, which is why I have the career that I do, <laughs> because I'm not vicious enough. Um, many people are also, but that's what I'm saying. Like very you, ruthless. But that's why you're doing podcasts, and you you could do other stuff. Like they're not gonna come to you. Yes. You know, so you got to create shit on your own. Like we were saying, they're stupid. Yeah, they're stupid. So preempted by you do your shit that you think is smart, you know. Just so you know, this is how I know that Lyndon Johnson, even though he was a ruthless man, you're saying in their private life that they may be nice people, right? Well, he cheated on his wife. He did. But look at this, Yoshi. How could Lyndon Johnson be an evil man? He's hugging a puppy. <laughs> he had two beagles that he loved more than anything. I'm a crazy dog lady. Yoshi, are we going to talk about Game of Thrones? Uh, watch Robert Carroll's books by Lyndon Johnson. All right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, we could finish. This, so what this, have we learned? Yoshi is sexist and he likes violence and also, um, what did you say? Cutthroat and ruthlessness in sports. That's what we've learned. I, 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 before we go Game of Thrones, like I can't help it. Not, <laughs> I, I can't, Rosie, I can't help of course, I like looking pretty girls, right? I mean, of course. Who doesn't? I like looking at pretty girls. You know, it's it's pleasant to me to hang out with you and Aiko and Hosanna. You guys are attractive girls, personality, whatnot. Uh, who doesn't want to look at that? I don't want to hang out with the fat, ugly girls. <laughs> Only time I want fat, ugly girls is if they're doing comedy. Then they tend to be funny because they don't have any other option in life. Hashtag feminism. Hey, Yoshi, I actually wanted to talk about that. You're making a very, very good point because a lot of times what I notice is some people... And ladies, do you want a nice guys or asshole with a big dick that could fuck the shit out of you? So don't, <laughs> well, here's don't. the thing. Here's the thing. I think that people should have something going for them. So if you're ugly, you should have a good personality, right? If you, if you don't have a lot of money, for example, and you can't afford to be an asshole, you should have a good personality or be nice or have something going for you. I'm meeting people these days. First of all, I like to surround myself with people that have something going for them. But so I'm meeting people these days. They have nothing going for them. It's like, don't they realize they need something? Like, I'm not talking about entertainment. I'm talking about people in general. You know, you can't be fat and ugly and poor and an asshole. Like, you have to have something. Am I, am I crazy? Well, uh, as one of my favorite uh, writer once said, paraphrasing, <laughs> Robert E. Howard, who wrote Conan the Barbarian. A lot of paraphrasing here. Right. He said, life is like banquet, and most men, like dogs, scraping food under the table. Most people are co content living like that. But there's life on the, the better life, which is on top of the table on the banquet, you know? And some people just, they're okay living like that. But like, that's why, why crazy do to me. Like, don't you want to develop a personality? Don't you want to try better? Don't you want to do, it's like you. Another paraphrase. <laughs> Bertrand Russell, do you know who that is? I do. Okay, who's that? Bertrand Russell. I do. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Mm, let me do my Rolodex in my brain. Uh, I do know, but I can't remember. 
Bertrand Russell was a British philosopher and mathematician. Oh, I knew that. Okay. He he wrote a book with uh, uh, Alfred Whitehead, calculus, and then like you know he's a very significant uh, thinker and things like that. But he said, uh, paraphrasing him, he said most people rather die than think, and they do. You know what I mean? Like most people don't want to think because it, it it's a strenuous to think and trying to do something. And, and who am I to say this? I'm 45. <laughs> And I'm such a fucking late bloomer, and I'm such a rest development, depression, and a very difficult to uh, deal with. But um, I know I don't know what I want, but I definitely know what I don't want. And when somebody's trying to make me do something I don't want, I get very hostile. You know that. I spit on people before. <laughs> not not the best part of my life. I'm proud of it, but punch people, yes. Cuss people out. I must be very genial and easy to deal with because you've never done. I've, I've heard these stories, Yoshi, of you punching, spitting, beating even women, your mother in law, or whatever the hell. Let me give you one example. Then we'll, to- we'll jump into Game of Thrones. And throw. yet I've never been punched yet, Yoshi. What's- <laughs> because, Rosie, you're, you're self aware and you're, you are very smart. And I think even when I say something unpleasant, you know it was coming from a good place, I think, most of the time. And there are people who are disappointed because I'm I'm not even half as hard or quarter of as hard as that I was hard with you, and they can't even take it. They're fucking babies. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but let me give you this one example. They will jump in Game of Thrones. So I was telling a couple of people yesterday. Uh, my friend Koshiro, my very close friend of mine, he lives in in Okinawa, southern Japan. He's like the Puerto Rican of Japan. Okay, he's very dark. <laughs> So one time uh, we went to this party, this is almost 20 years ago, and it was like all Japanese people there, right? And we all make a mistake. When you're drunk, you say stupid stuff, but there's a line that you should cross, right? So we went to this party. There's some kid I don't know who happened to be from the same town from Okinawa with Koshiro, right? And he read something about Koshiro's dad in the newspaper where you know, his dad lost everything. Bad economy, bad decision, whatnot. But he lost his factory. So we're talking millions of dollars, right? It's a fact to him. And this motherfucker is drunk, asking all kinds of personal questions about it. Now, you're in a public place. You care about your dad or your loved ones. Somebody reads something about your newspaper and asking all these uh, invasive questions in a very rude manner. Granted, he's drunk. So I asked him last night during the comedy show, there was like a Scottish guy, black guy, white guy, and Mexican guy, right? Like if somebody did that to you at party and there's a bunch of other people that are embarrassing you, and this guy, whether he means or not, or malicious or not, he's insulting, hurting the people you care about, what would you do? What do you think all four of them said? Mm-hmm. Were the answers similar or different? They're all the same. They would say, um, they said walk away, punch the guy in the face? Punch the guy in the face. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> And that's, I think if you live in America, that's probably normal, you know, if, if, especially if you tell the guy to stop, they don't stop, they will punch the guy. See, this is where people from Japan are so different from everyone else, okay? Did he deserve to get punched? Absolutely. Did we punch him that moment? No. Why? This is a very typical Japanese thing. You don't want to beat that guy when they're sober, I mean, when they're drunk. Because they just got beat up, but they don't know why they got beat up. So we have to wait until next day when they're completely sober up. <laughs> then we'll explain to them why we're going to beat you up. 
See, this is how educational Asian people are. Right? This I mean, is a very good idea, actually, because it's educating him on etiquette. Yeah. So we don't want to beat you up if you don't know why. See, all this idiot like Puerto Rican, black, Latino, white people, they just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> but no lessons learned, right? Right? The Asian way, just this like in the, the fortune cookie. <laughs> so next day, uh, and as soon as that happened, he didn't even have to talk to me. I know. That I started laughing like, oh, shit. I, I already know. You know what I mean? And like, you guys say face because you don't beat up the guy at the party. Very Asian as well. I mean, I, I would have done it if he was saying that to me. But but Koshiro is like, you know, like, we're going to wait, you know. So next day, next day, we went to that guy's house, right? We, we just opened the front door. And here's a lesson, everyone. Lock your front door. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> to everyone who are not Asian, if you see two or more Asian people walking into your house and didn't take their shoes off <laughs> something something horrible is gonna happen 99 99.9 they take shoes because it's such an uncouth thing to not to take your shoes because you step on dirt and shit but if they just open your fucking door you know how, how polite japanese people are when they open the door in japan uh, there's a first area. It's like it's like an entrance to your house. Yeah, with the shoes, like right here. No, but it's a little separate room, which is like a room that introduces you to the rest of the house. It's called the foyer, Yoshi. Oh, uh, genkan or whatever it is in Japanese. But when you walk in, you say "gomen kudasai." Basically, it, it literally means like, "Please accept my apology while I walk into your house." Uh, asking your permission to walk your house. And this, this isn't like a proper uh, uh, Japanese etiquette. Etiquette, yeah. right? We open the fucking door. <laughs> we walk in. We don't even close the door. We walk with their muddy shoes. Oh my gosh. Were you guys jumping in puddles? We walk into the house, right? So if you see, especially people from Japan, walk in your house and not take their shoes. Uh, shoes as fat black women would say oh shit <laughs> if you see fat black women say oh shit <laughs> horrible horrible things are gonna happen <laughs> so his roommates see us right and they're confused like they don't know what's going on because we just walk in the house when unannounced with the shoes on we tell one of the guys get that guy they come in he's like oh, what, what's going on what, what, what's, what, why are you here like <laughs> He's, he's, he woke up, right? Koshiro said, come here, right? He comes over. As soon as he comes in, he sucker punched the guy in the face to wake him up. Right? <laughs> okay. And two other guys are there. They're not going to do shit. Why? Because I'm there. I'm six foot one. Which is a giant. for You're basically Godzilla. I'm six foot one. And back in those days, I used to go gym all the time, lifting weight, take creatine. So I was a lot bigger. Too. Creatine? Yoshi. I, I was a lot. I mean, I, I was muscular back then. Unlike now. Looking like a Gumby right now. So, <laughs> like now, pure so those two guys can't do anything because I'm so much. They're like five foot two and nothing, right? And they don't know martial art. So I would kick the shit out of them. So, um, you know how kids say like these days, the only thing kids do is play video games. Man, what we did to this guy for two hours is better than video games. So you know, uh, in Japan, you um, people make a little origami uh, sushi uh, sumo wrestlers. Yes. So you put those sumo wrestlers on the uh, table, right, next to each other, and you start tapping, tapping the uh, table really hard like this. 
So when, when you start hitting the table, those paper origami uh, uh, similars will start moving like this. Yeah. Right? And whoever keeps pushing the uh, hardest, it push the other one down. Well, I will make that guy, the idiot, stand like a, a sumo wrestler in the middle of the room and kosher standing like another sumo wrestler. I'm tapping really hard on the ground like that, right? So you're playing human video games. Yeah, and the kosher will move around, but he will keep slapping the guy's face every time he does it. And he can't do anything because if he dare try to hit, I'll punch the guy. So the whole time we did the sumo wrestling thing, like a video game, uh, we keep punching the guy's face. Did, and I was saying like, oh, Koshiro. Did, did you guys explain to him though why? Well, we, we told him why. Okay. Like, you ask this person a question, you inverse them, and it's none of your fucking business about what he's saying. What did that. he say? Or he just sat there? So he said, I'm so, so sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. Well, you might be sorry, but. Uh, now you're uh, sorry. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> it's. So um, it's, it's like somebody with going to dentist, they have a lot of cavity. Well, you have a lot of cavity because you did all this neg neglectful things. Now you're going to pay price. Now <laughs> we're going to pull all your bad teeth out. So, uh, see, I think this needs to happen more because I regularly meet people that I think need to be punched in the face and unfortunately haven't been because there's a lot of people out there who don't really know that you're not supposed to be uh, rude as hell to people. I mean, have you met people like that? Like, you're like, wow, how come this guy hasn't been Go punched Seattle, in the face? Ask, ask the people in the stand up community. People who I never met, I'm, I'm kind of famous for that. Like, I don't know how many people I choke, kicked, hit, and and that's just comedy. But like in uh, working at the retail porn shop, you know how many guys I hit with baseball bats. You know, I just like, think that more people need to actually be punched in the face. I meet a lot. Thank of you. <laughs> Because that's how they learn, right? I just meet a lot of people that are completely unaware. Uh, you know, you, you were saying that I am self-aware. I meet a lot of people that are unaware, and I seriously think they need to be punched in the yeah. face because because talking to them and explaining to them and teaching them doesn't work. I don't know if you know this, but pain is actually a catalyst for change. When people experience pain, that's when they, for example, let's say someone chain smokes. They know chain smoking is bad for them. When will they quit? Usually when they're in a dire situation where yeah. their lungs are falling apart. and they're, So people are not that bright. They need extreme pain to change. The same thing with alcoholism. You know, People know, hey, I'm drinking too much. But when they're in a car accident with a DUI and they're going to lose their wife and their whole family, then they stop drinking. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of people need to be punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I think more people need to be punched yeah. in the face and there needs to be that's why I, I, I've been I've been telling this story <laughs> idea and people always think I'm crazy but like, no I agree with you totally there's so many people I meet that are complete freaking idiots and unfortunately they haven't learned because everyone's been too nice to them yeah and I actually I think you know negative feedback is a great if it's true negative feedback some people are just critical and judgmental but negative feedback is a positive thing because it's a catalyst for change letting people know hey your idea is delusional yeah. this doesn't work blah 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 you know you can't just do that and unfortunately a lot of people and, and a lot of people don't want to do it because they don't want to get trouble but my point is like if they cross a the point they if they cross that line and piss me off i would do that and i almost face severe well, consequences well, here, well here's the problem is that most people don't care enough about that person i know someone for example a woman really annoying a total you know she's always 
doing the wrong thing. When I say wrong, I don't mean morally wrong. I mean, she's, you know, not a very good mother. She's not a very good wife. She's always complaining about her kids and her husband. Yet every time she tells me the story, I'm thinking you're the one that's, you know, she's a complete, she's a complete idiot. Right. But I don't care enough about this woman to to just tell her, hey, the problem is most people don't care enough about you to say, hey, you're a freaking idiot. But unfortunately, a lot of people need to hear that. And a lot of people do need to be punched in the face. I'm agreeing with you, Yoshi. Because so, so that's that's why I, I I'm, I'm a firm believer. Like you need to beat people up, and I, <laughs> I, I have done that. But like, but I'm not advocating for violence. I'm saying that unfortunately, most people need a wake up call. And yeah. if that wake up call comes in getting punched in the face, that's what happens. But not enough people have a wake up call. But but I do believe in violence. That's the thing. Like this is what I call virtual violence. <laughs> <laughs> virtuous violence right like uh, i don't believe in randomly pe- beating people up or uh bullying people you're saying if they deserve it yeah okay yeah. got it and, and people say like well what makes you right to make that kind of decision because i'm the guy who's going to be hitting that's why <laughs> okay. that's why <laughs> and if i get in trouble for it i face consequences too i'm well aware of that but in seattle I choked this kid. I didn't know he was underage at the time, but he, he tried to push my friend off the stage one time. I choked the fuck out of this kid. He never did that again. Uh, black, Brad, my, you know, my friend Bradley Lewis, he did something I didn't like. I, I kicked him down the stairs. Uh, <laughs> Al Fox, a handicapped guy, I choked and choked him. And you know, I was traveling with some girl. She got out of line, put me in a position where endangered both of us and acting irresponsibly, calling me names and, and, and enough is enough. So I choked the shit out of her and she stopped. Because once people think like, Al, the handicapped, he never thought somebody would do that. Well, you you, you talked to the wrong But you know person. what? I actually think that needs to be done more. And again, I'm not advocating I know. for specific. I've been doing it for 45 years. I'm not advocating for specific violence, but here's the, the issue. 35 years. Here's the issue I have. Yeah. A lot of handicapped people, and maybe this is going to be, you know, negatively reflected on me that I'm saying this, but they claim that they want to be treated like everyone else. Yet. That's why I choke them. Yet, you know, they're saying, oh, I'm handicapped. So a lot of people use their handicap as a, as a guard from getting consequences. I, I, I actually went to high school with a girl who was handicapped and she was a total bitch. She would actually run over people with her electric wheelchair and then she would get mad at people and say that they were mistreating her because she was handicapped. No, people were mistreating her because she was a bitch. bitch. She was a total was bitch. Question. And she would use her handicap as a way to be basically a horrible human being. There was just this fucking idiot uh, <clears throat> handicapped piece of shit at the porn convention. And I understand, like any guy, they're horny. And this is one of the, <laughs> this is one of the few exceptions where... a a fucked up handicapped guy uh, have access to take talk and take a picture with the beautiful girls and get preferential treatment. I understand. You know, you look like you look like a piece of shit. You're horny. <laughs> I, I got it. But that doesn't give you reason to be rude. So I remember this guy kept running to me. I turned around and grabbed by the ear and pinched his ear really hard. <laughs> Uncle Yoshi. Just because his hand, hand, his hands look like T-Rex. They're short. <laughs> Okay. It's all fucked up. I don't even know how he fucking jerk off with those stupid hands, right? But I don't care. Once you cross that line, I don't care if you're a woman or kid or whatever. Like, I'm not going to tolerate that shit from you. you okay, know? guys, respect Yoshi's boundaries. He will injure you. No, but I mean, even with handicapped people, like, if your parents did something stupid, like your mother did something stupid where they smoke crack and you're fucked up, I feel bad for you because it, was, it's, it wasn't the decision you made where it fucked you up. So I feel bad. But Al, that idiot, he was perfectly fine. He was walking fine, but because he was high on drugs and driving motorcycle really fast, 
and he was going to a Van Halen concert. He got by a truck. Well, fuck you. You shouldn't get. You shouldn't get. You shouldn't get a handicap parking privilege. You fucking deserve the treat like shit. You're. You're a drug addict. You're you're being irresponsible. Like, why would you get the same privilege like handicapped person born that way? That that, that that's fucking bullshit to me. So, um, so when handicaps they treat me like uh, like a like a like a same like everyone like oh believe me if you're acting like an asshole I will hit you handicapped or not uh, believe me I will treat you more than uh, you know. So um, anyway, so. Uh, we beat that kid up for a while because I laugh because uh, you don't fucking do that to my friend and you're out of line and we, we beat you up and you, you learn something and don't you ever do it again. So anyway. I, I'm agreeing with you, Yoshi. I'm not necessarily advocating violence, but I think people. I am advocating. <laughs> okay. I'm letting the listeners. Rational violence. I'm letting the listeners know my point of view that I am not advocating for it, yeah. but I think that more people need to learn their lesson. Let's just say that. Because you know that um, that fucking idiot Gandhi always make this thing like um, <laughs> you know talk about eye for eye make the whole world blind. First of all, you're a fucking idiot, Gandhi. <laughs> okay, this is Yoshi's opinion, not mine. Eye for eye, eye for it literally means equal equal. Uh, it's an equal measure. Like if somebody does something, you gotta punish them at the equal amount. That's all it means to me. You know what I mean? And I think Einstein famously wrote a letter to Gandhi and said, like, so you mean to say peaceful, uh, resistant every time? Like when the Jews were dealing with Nazis? Believe me, I could give you six million fucking reasons in those situations. Peaceful way is not going to work. It just depends. Um, with Gandhi and East Indians dealing with the British Empire, it worked. Of course. I'm a pragmatist. In those times, Fighting violence and violence is not going to work. But with Nazis, I'm sorry. Peaceful resisting, that shit's not going to work. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So don't tell me, like, don't don't believe in revenge. Revenge is a necessary component of being a human being. It really is. If the state is not capable of uh, uh, bestowing right amount of punishment for for the, the uh, uh, criminals, you're punishing the victim's family twice for not giving adequate punishment. So if they don't do that, then I, I obviously I'm one of those people that they didn't punish my stepmother, so I flew back to Japan, beat that bitch down. You know what I mean? So um, what I don't, what I, I, don't, I, I know what I'm saying is not a very popular thing to say, but um, I don't care. Well, I'm, what? But well, you're like, this is my fucking podcast. So I can say what I want. What I don't like is when people don't take responsibility for themselves and then victimize others. For example. There's statistics that show that the majority of yeah. pedophiles and uh, child rapists were themselves molested as children. Sure. Again, I understand it must be horrible to be molested as a child. It's very painful. You have no control. You're being victimized yourself. But then don't you want to stop the cycle and get help and not victimize others? It doesn't make any sense. And so these are people that I think... It doesn't make sense because I, th I think... It, yes, you're absolutely right. It doesn't make any sense. But they're emotionally broken too. And maybe something happened to their brain. They're, I'm, I'm not making justification, but it, it's possible that... And then victimize 10, 20, 30 yeah. others? Like, come on. Uh, Victor Franco, who uh, you know wrote the book, what is it, uh, Man Searching for Meaning or something like that. You know who that is? No. He was uh, one of the guys who survived the Holocaust. And he said, you know... Sometimes we're all presenting self in such a horrible way that you don't have a control when bad things happen to you. 
but you do have control how you react to them. Oh yeah, yeah. and, and it, it's an amazing book. But um, maybe when I get that age, maybe I'll be more forgiving. But I'm just that's just not my nature. I, I believe in I believe in revenge and punishment and uh, standing up for yourself. And if you, if necessary, violence. I prefer to talk to someone and have them stop. <laughs> Sometimes you, you have to you have to hate fuckers. I mean, you you know. Um, so okay, Game of Thrones. We're so no these things are covered. So um, <laughs> we want to talk about it because I got Rosie a DVD of Game of Thrones season one, and I haven't heard her honest opinion about it. But I I, I really want to. She's a dear friend. I love the show. I got it because I appreciate all the things she does for me, but I also want to, uh, I want her to sh I want to share her this wonderful experience I have with the show. Sometimes wonderful, sometimes it's horrific because whatever the moral belief you have, that show put everything upside down. So it's, it's, there's a lot of morally ambiguous. It's so different from Lord of the Rings where it's clear who's good, who's bad. Literally sometimes the good guys are all white outfit and bad guys are all black, you know? Well, don't you think that that is more realistic to life where there's different aspects of personality and more nuanced? You know, for, so for life example... Is, life is more ambiguous. So let's talk about it. So first of all... Did you it, like the show, series? I do like the series. I've only Were you surprised? No, I knew I was going to like it because I have many good friends who I trust their opinion who were, have yeah. been urging me to watch it. And I was holding off, um, yeah. as I told you, because I like to watch entire series yeah. when they're already out so that I can... I, I don't like cliffhangers or, or having to wait a year or six months or however long until the next season yeah. comes out, even though um, Game of Thrones is not over yet. Um, so we're just going to talk season one because, uh, you know, yes. I haven't seen season one in a long time, but you like it. I'm, so even though it's been out for a while yeah. and some of you probably have seen it and you're probably like, oh, we're already on season four. And I'm, 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 I'm glad you or like five. it because I, I really love the show. I do like it. Um Every single time I watch period films, I always, you know, get a little... But this is really not a period piece, is it? It's a fantasy world, yes. but it is a period fantasy world. It, it, what time period do you, would you th say it is? 1600s? I don't even know what this means because I read uh, 100 Years of Solitude, uh -huh. Magical Realism. So there's a lot of uh, like realistic period piece. But also there is this like really weird magic and, you know. Yeah, so they have yeah. the White Walkers and other things yeah. like that. The, the reason I get jealous is because um, when I watch a show, I like to imagine, you know, if I was a part of this world, where would yeah. I belong? And unfortunately, I'm a minority, so sure. I would probably be a slave <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in Khaleesi's uh, slave realm. Yeah. So that makes me sad. Um, I... And by the way, if you haven't watched this show and we didn't, you know, I'm not going to give you a spoiler alert because it's been four fucking years. If you haven't watched it, you're, you know, fuck you. you know, <laughs> so anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So that makes me sad that I would be a, a slave. You probably would be too, Yoshi. Yeah. Um, uh, I really do like it. And I like that there is ambiguity in who is the bad guys slash good guys. You know, at first, obviously, you think you're... Um, rooting for Ned's family. Ned Stark, yeah. Um, but then it kind of gets ambiguous. You know, it looks like um, uh, the Blondies, I'm forgetting for some the reason. The Lannisters. The Lannisters are the bad guys. But, you know, um, uh, uh, Minnie Lannister, he's so charming and yeah. so funny. And you really like him. And, and then you're kind of... Oh, you're talking about Tyrion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really bad with the names. Yeah. I even studied the the chart that came with the DVD series that you, you gave me and I still couldn't remember yeah. everyone's name. I which is horrible because I've seen the whole first season. But you know why I'm having problems with the names, Yoshi? Because they never address each other by their names. They always say my lord and and, yeah. and my lady and all these yeah. things. 
so they rarely rarely actually use that's what i noticed right is that they rarely rarely use each other's names which is why i'm having so many Who's issues so, what, what, did anything surprise you about that series um I knew there was going to be a lot of twists and turns. Yes. Because usually my experience has been when a show is very captivating, yeah. like that is the technique that the writers use to keep people. Sure. So I, I kind of knew that was going to happen. I wasn't really surprised by anything. Um, the number one thing I like about the show, which I know you said you're very sexist, but I love the powerful female characters. Yes. You know, Khaleesi is this amazing, smart queen. She uses her feminine wiles. I don't like her. Okay, I'm just telling you what yeah. my opinion is. I, she uses her... She, she looks like a Puerto Rican with a blonde hair. <laughs> she does. But I like how she uses her, her feminine side yeah. to kind of take the power, which is very positive. Um, you know, the yeah. the queen uh, who's currently uh, the Lannister queen, the queen regent. Queen Cersei. Is, you know, she's very um, cunning and very... I like um, her. I like her a lot too. And also... Um, Fucking her brother. That's a very sexy... Um, <laughs> I actually did research on that and apparently there's a lot more incest in the world than I, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the um, Ned's wife um, yeah. uh, is also a very powerful character. So I like the fact that even though it's a fantasy time piece and it's you know back in the day, the yeah. women aren't these damsels in distress. They're not these like victims. Because usually when they have those type of shows or period pieces... The women are damsels in distress. Right. They're very weak. Um, even uh, Ned's daughter um, uh, starts with an A. What's her name? There's uh, Sansa is the oldest one and uh, Arya. Arya. Arya is the very, you know, from the very first episode. She's shooting arrows. She's yeah. very powerful female character. So I really, really like that, that all the women are very strong characters. They're not these, you know, up in a tower with a dunce cap screaming for help. Sure. And, and, and. <clears throat> You know, uh, there's a scene from episode one where Tyrion's it's 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 at the brothel, and it, it shocked the shit out of me because none of the fantasy ever cover sex and nudity and things like that. I actually like the brothel scenes. Yeah, I really like the brothel scenes because again, um, you know, you're used to thinking of prostitutes as kind of these you know victim women they don't have any other opportunities so they're being prostitutes these women don't have these women don't have opportunities they are you know poor women but they're smart they're beautiful they're very elaborately um uh done up which i like and it seems like they actually have more freedom than some of these women of the house that are stuck with this kind of idea for example you know are you know they need to cross the bridge to get to the capital city and you know the um, Stark mom promises Arya to one of those creepy guys. Yeah, and and so you know, in that time, even though this is fantasy, you're being married off. You don't sure. really have a say. Even you know Ned's older daughter, she's married off or supposed to be married off to the prince. Uh, so it, it's like you don't Joffrey, really have yes. Prince Joffrey. So you don't really have this power. Yet these prostitutes, they seem very free. It's like even though they are you know whores, it seems like they have more freedom. And and, and and those female characters... I don't think they're vic- I, victimized I, prostitutes. I, I pay for prostitution all the time. And um, are there victims? I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sure there are. Um, but it's it's one of those necessary evil. I think if you legalize it, you're protecting women, more women through that. Yes, and we've talked about this yeah. before. I, I should think it should be legal and definitely taxed and there should be protections under the law as well. But those women really reminds me... Um, 
geisha, which is obviously from um, Japan, because uh, it's interesting when you look at the history of geisha, uh, not only were they able to practice many of those etiquette and artistic endeavor like tea ceremony, flower arrangement, singing and dancing, things like that, quite after many of them could read. So back in those days, the fact that they could even read, they, they, yes, their stigma being so-called uh, in a adult entertainment, but they do have power and they understand how to seduce men, either through sex or by having wonderful conversation. And, and you know, they're, they're, I, I talked about mm-hmm. that. Actually, I tweeted about that this week because... You know, I was talking to my husband. Um, we have a mutual friend that's a stripper. And she said, you know, I feel like, you know, she goes, it's really not as demeaning as people think it is being a stripper. She goes, really, I feel like a therapist in a bikini. Yes. She goes, I'm naked on stage for less than five seconds with my top off. Sure. And then the rest of the time I'm sitting with men chatting with them. And really they're telling me their problems and issues. And we talked about this because also in um, House of Cards, this is mentioned, um, with one of the characters, I don't want to give a spoiler alert, but one of the characters in season three of House of Cards, he is a male prostitute, and he said, and he says most it wasn't sex all the time. Most of the time, it was talking to these people. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of sex workers that say the same thing, and my experience is that these prostitutes in the brothel, you know, supposedly the average—I don't know if this is true—but the average time it takes for a man to come is from three to ten minutes. So if you're paying for an hour, the rest of the time is talking so these prostitutes are having access to these very powerful men who are coming to brothels telling them a lot of information not all men are powerful but yes they do have powerful clients but i I think people are paying guys are also paying for intimacy yes you know agreed and i i I controlled intimacy and 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 i i think um men and women what they consider intimacy is a completely different things like men when women are willing to have sex for them men interpret that as she really loves me because this is something that is important to men. But also for women, the fact that men actually spend their time listening to what she has to say, be considerate to her feelings and things like that. These things matter to women, I think. Most women too. Yes. And, um, you know, the, I guess we, men and women consider what's important it's, it's, it's differently. It's not one thing is better than another, but you know, because I'm a man, I, I understand why they look at that way. So maybe when they go prostitute, even though you give them money, they're getting something that they inherit needs met. Yeah, maybe yeah. they're not getting a home. You know, I li- so, I like the show. I think that there's a lot of complex characters, and yeah. it's very interesting. It's very interesting the idea of playing different roles. You know, in the court, yeah. that was a big thing. Was playing. You know, what did you think about Littlefinger? Um, I like him. I think he's very smart and obviously a very good business person and seems very cold and calculated as well. Very complex. What I like is the layers of complexity because it definitely is more realistic to life. Most people are multifaceted and not... As I was complaining in the beginning, so of, you watch you watch season one, the whole thing, right? I watch the whole thing, and now I'm on season two, the very beginning. So please don't tell me anything. I won't say anything, but do you, do you remember from season one where? Um, Littlefinger's trying to convince him to take over and he's not willing to do it. Ned. Yeah, Ned Stark. And Littlefinger, uh, remember that scene when Ned Stark was at the brothel and the guy who was his, 
not assistant, but like a confidant. He was in the brothel too, and he couldn't stop looking at one of the girl. Yes, I do remember, I do that, remember right? that scene. So um, I just finished watching Mike Tyson's one man show, and he said his, one of his greatest weaknesses is women. So, okay, so these guys are soldiers, they could fight in the battlefield, but in bedroom, they could be conquered by women. You know what I mean? That's that's the stuff that. Well, that's what I liked about Khaleesi, but you said you don't like Khaleesi's character. But that's what I liked about her is that she's taking this six foot four. I think her, and her story, the whole thing, is just not interesting to me. But I understand she learned to seduce what's in them. Uh, but know. because she went from victim to empowered, she yeah. starts out. She lost her virginity to him. He's having sex with her in a very aggressive way. And yeah, then, rape. And then by being, by being feminine, because I think this is very important to understand is that a lot of women think that they're helpless, they're victims, but actually women have more power because that's something like you said. There, how many How many powerful... You actually were the one who told me about this. I'm not going to name names because I don't know the names, but you said that you were with some very powerful men in Los Angeles and that they were with uh, strippers or whatever. You were introducing them to porn girls. I don't know who these men are. I don't want to give anything yeah. away that you don't feel comfortable giving away. And one of the guys said, oh, was very worried about... I'm definitely not comfortable saying the name. I I won't. I know who they are. I don't know the name. But you said that... For your sake, you don't want to say either. And you were saying that this very powerful man, you were there introducing them to porn girls, and you said that that man was afraid of his wife finding out. So here's one of the most powerful men in LA, yet he's afraid of his wife. Oh, yes. Yes. So... um, And I won't give any more details because... Oh, no, no. That I thought you were talking about something else. This is fine. My friend Dave Johnson used to work for Nazarian family, the richest Persian Jews live in Beverly Hills. Uh, they're famous for... Uh, nightclubs, right? Nightclubs. Okay. Well, Sam Nazarian is the nephew, okay? Sam Nazarian's friend with Paris Hilton. He has all those uh, clubs uh, in LA. He, he just got in trouble in Vegas trying to open a casino, but he had a history of like drug abuse or whatever. Well, his family, Nazarian family, uh, you know, they have construction business and they used to work for them doing construction. I like that you've introduced multiple powerful men to prostitutes that you thought I was talking about no, someone no. else. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, They had nothing to do with the prostitute. It was Christmas party, and the guy who was running the show said, Mr. Nazarian, thank you for your business. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you've been very generous and kind, and and, and I thank you, and I hope you like the dance. So, since he said that, and this is a Christmas party, even though they're they're Jews, they're having Christmas party, I thought it's going to be one of the, at most, if they're naughty, uh, belly dancing or whatever, right? It was like a five or six stripper running around dancing like crazy, right? And it made me laugh because it doesn't matter how powerful these guys are, and they're billion. And I'm not even kidding; they are billionaires. There are three or four of them. Each one of them is worth billion dollars, right? And and one of the guy overheard him saying to his wife or girlfriend, like, "Oh my god, who like this shit? Uh, every guy in the whole fucking <laughs> world. You're afraid of your wife or girlfriend or fiance. You don't want to enjoy it, so you don't even look at them strictly because you don't want to get caught." staring at him uh, by your wife because I've seen even a clip where Michelle Obama got mad at a fucking Obama because he was staring at some hot girl at the, uh, some kind of... But that's what I'm saying. So a lot of women have this idea that we're weak, we don't have any power, and what I'm saying is what I liked about um, Game of Thrones is that it's showing that feminine power is actually more powerful than masculine power in certain ways. And I really like that. Yeah, I mean... Because women can control men. They can. Not in a... But the problem with what I see, and especially with feminism, and I'm a feminist, which is why I don't agree with this and I don't like this, is that a lot of feminists 
or a lot of women try to control men by being masculine. And that's not the way you control men. Because who's better at being masculine, women or men? Men are better at being masculine. So a lot of women try to... Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. They try to control men by being masculine, by being controlling, by being nagging. by being, That's not how you control Don, men. Dono by trying to be dominant. You control men by being feminine because that's a, that's something that men are, have a weakness. Donald Ritchie talk about... Uh, Donald Ritchie is a very famous uh, literature and film critic of Japan. Oh, you want me to pause for a second? I'll pause it. No. What are you doing? Oh, okay. Can, can we make tea? Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pause it. Okay. I'll pause it. Okay, we're back, but I don't remember what we were talking about. It's been 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> I was saying that I liked Game of Thrones because it had strong female characters. Right. And then we started talking about prostitution. Right. And um, Littlefinger is good at teaching the making women realize how much power they have in the bedroom but it it's you know another thing that really shocked me when when Ned Stark got executed I you know you you watch so many of those outway at least I've read so many fantasy books in situations like that and last minute somehow they get him rescue out of there so that was the first time I seen like holy shit he got his head <laughs> chopped off also he's like a main character and to but, have a main character killed off like that is pretty shocking would it shock you? It's like, what the fuck? I, it was I, shocking. I, I thought he was going to come back or it was yeah. going to be a fake execution or he was going to be, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was fake. Not that it looked fake, but fake as in he was going to somehow yeah. appear somewhere else. And this is something you're going to learn while you're watching it. It's called Game of Thrones. It is a game. And Lannisters and Starks were having problem. Here's the thing. They're both playing games, but they're playing with different rules. And Stark... Ned Stark got killed because he always conduct himself, and this is kind of sad commentary, but he conduct himself in a way that you do things by right and wrong, by morality sense, but Lannister's doing by right and wrong when it comes to what's right for their family and their interests. So they're, they're, they play this whole completely different. And but Lannister's, I guess, consider dirty the way they did it, you know? But that's also similar to how things work in the real world. There's a yes. lot of people who play dirty, fight dirty, you yeah. know, end up on top. So, like, the Lannisters are like the Frank Underwood, right? In a way, yes. In the House of Cards. And, and, and Starks, if you remember that, remember that politician from Philadelphia who ended up getting killed? Uh, Peter Russo. Yeah. So, it's, it's a very tough call because when you're fighting with ruthless people and, and trying to reason or use idealism, you're going to get crushed. At least that's, that's, the, that's the impression you get from season one of Game of Thrones. You know. I know, and we'll have to see. I'll have to come back on the podcast after I finish season two. Um, how, the, how, how does the last episode end in the season one? I'm trying to remember. I think, I can't remember, but it's very um, kind of vague and cliffhanging. And yeah. I, I can't remember because I'm already uh, enthralled in House of Cards. So I've already forgotten. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, what, well, what did you think about Jamie Lannister and Cersei fucking, and they ended up pushing Ned Stark's son out of the window from the tower? That was actually like the first or second episode. First episode, they're like, I said, like, holy fuck, you um, know, you got midget fucking and brother sister fucking, <laughs> and they threw, they're trying to murder a child. That's first episode, you know. Well, first of all, I would much rather have sex with a uh, Jamie Lannister than King Robert. <laughs> Because he's a lot better looking. Yeah. So I can see where she's coming from, at least. But um, Keep it in the family, right? Actually, incest was very common. Again, it's a fantasy period. But um, incest was very common back then because they wanted to keep the lineage pure. So even though um, 
which is a faulty thinking. It is because it, it you're not keeping it pure. You're actually making it worse because of the genetic yeah. diversity. Um, but so that wasn't as shocking to me because I've I've known about that, and you know I think there was I don't know if this is true or not or if it's Hollywood fi- fiction, but I think one of Henry VIII's wives tried to have sex with her brother because she wasn't producing a uh, male heir. Well. Yes, that's one version of it, and she was falsely accused of fucking the brother too. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. So there was a lot of like, um, you know, he when he for one reason or another he was dissatisfied with those women. He was he, trying to get rid of his wives. He was basically, trying to get rid of it. <laughs> he, she she might have fucked her brother, or maybe not. But you know, it was just. Um, but there there is some history of this. I know there's a, a Spanish line in Spain where they became very very inbred, and one of the kings they actually had a nickname for him because he looked so jacked up sickly uh-huh. yeah sickly because of the inbreeding but a lot of you know that happened a lot you know, back then you know you, but usually sickle. usually it was with cousins though not brother sister yeah. it was usually first cousins just to keep the bloodline quote unquote pure um, any other characters where you're intrigued or like I'm in love with Arya I think she can be queen um, obviously, the youngest girl yeah obviously um, she's running around with King Robert's bastard who is the rightful heir if you're doing it with bloodline yeah um so and they kind of seem like they have a thing for each other a little bit so maybe she's going to be queen i don't know we'll find out obviously those of you who've watched season two three and four know more than i do but um i'm uh i'm hoping for her because she seems a very uh spicy character i like her and then there's the white walkers who knows there's like a weird zombie uh thing thrown in there I'm not saying his name right, but what did you think about Varys? Varys. Uh, which one is he? He's the he's the like advisor, look like a wizard or monk, and he he doesn't have a dick. Oh, the uh, eunuch. Eunuch, yeah. There's two eunuchs. There's a eunuch that serves wine. That's a Lannister cousin, and then he's the other eunuch. The advisor. The advisor. Yeah. Um, he's the one who always have a, like a verbal jousting with the little finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's okay. He's a really interesting character. My, my favorite character is, is Mini Lannister, actually. He is so funny, and he makes me laugh. Oh, Tyrion. Yeah, Tyrion. He makes me laugh, and he's very clever and witty and likable, and um, I like him. He's kind of like an underdog character, no pun intended, because he's short. He's, um... Remember that scene when uh, they were traveling, and he was traveling with uh, Jon Snow, who is Ned Stark's bastard son, and uh, Ned Stark's wife hates him, and they were talking. And remember when they? Oh, I love that. He said he said something about being a bastard, and then he said, "Well, I know what." It oh, you're like. the bastard. Yeah. yeah, you're the bastard. But he also makes a comment like, "He, I like his jokes about being a disappointment to his father. Pretty yeah. funny, and um, very witty and self-deprecating." But do you remember the scene where uh, Jon Snow asked uh, Tyrion's like, "Why do you read so much?" And he basically said, "Jamie Lannister, his brother, fights with his sword." But Tyrion cannot physically overwhelm anyone, so he he have to use his mind. That's why he have to read a lot. And I I, I find that stuff really really interesting. Whenever there's character to read a lot. And did you did you ever watch The Wire? I didn't. One of my favorite characters, this black character named Brother Muzan. He looked like a little um, nation of Islam, literally. <laughs> okay. He's a black guy with a bow tie. With the glasses, cool looking dude, and he will, he will, he's like assassin or uh, like a 
guy who used violence to uh, get his business done. But Brother Mazan's got an assistant, and he will tell his assistant every morning to go get him newspaper magazines. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those guys. But uh, he asked his assistant, Brother Mazan asked his assistant, what is the most dangerous thing in America? And you know what Brother Mazan told him? What? A nigger with a library card. <laughs> Made me laugh. That's funny. And and I think Tyrion's clever because he's, he's he was born clever. He had to rely on his verbal ability and wit. And he's very, very smart and he reads a lot too. He, he, he really is he, he is he's he really is a giant, literally. He is. He yeah. is. And he's very smart and very um he's a good puzzle uh, chess piece on the game. Yeah. Um, and I like the fact that he gets a lot of prostitutes. <laughs> Yoshi, we got to wrap up. I got to check on the food. All right. Um, Thank you for having me. Everyone, check out Game of Thrones if you haven't. Uh, it's a great, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it really is experience to relish. And listen to my podcast, Out of the Box Podcast. And what's your Twitter account, Rosie? At Funny Rosie. All right. Check, check her out. And please check out season five of uh, Game of Thrones. Watch out. Watch for the Americans and FX. It's unbelievable. I put that show right next to Game of Thrones. Incredible writing, acting, and it's about this two Russian Soviet spy pretending to be Americans in early 80s in D.C. suburb, and it's a fantastic show. Uh, I'm watching season three right now. Um, the Honorable Woman, another great show. And Black Mirror, you got it. Check that out. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm blinking, but anyway... Um, please check out the uh, season five of Game of Thrones and um, check out for Keisha Castle Hughes, who was a young, the young gal from the movie The Whale Rider, who at the time was the youngest recipient of uh, Oscar nomination at the time, and a terrific actress. She will be playing very important character in season five. So, person who believe agree with my beliefs about the revenge so anyway uh thank you rosie for doing the show and everyone thanks for listening to this impromptu show and we're going to eat dinner now and that's it thanks for listening to the show and talk to you guys soon bye